Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to the Anthony and Todd show. I'm your host Trevor. And I'm Vincent. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of new records in 2022. The year of Luigi. <laughs> I, th- I think that was a decade ago at this point. No. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be checking out the latest record from uh, the Colombian four-piece combo Chimbita Ire, and then the latest collab tape from Yorl Droog and the God Fahim, The Wolf on Wall Street 2, The American Dream. Somebody get this wolf off the street. New York, the 80s is back. <laughs> <laughs> Without any further ado, the... Reviews. Go for it. Combo Chimbita. E-ray. With the latest Disney movie Encanto being praised by several media outlets and its song We Don't Talk About Bruno going number one and also all over TikTok and gets stuck in my head probably on a daily basis, Colombia has been in the news in a big way recently. And one thing Encanto does is challenge the popular perception of Colombia. In America, Colombia is some faraway land that's kind of filled with coke and criminals. But with the colorful world of Encanto, that notion is hopefully rethought for a lot of people. And I talk about this because Combo Chimbita is the latest in this succession, a Colombian four-piece brought together once again by their own spirituality and connection to their ancestors to record Ire, their third album, following up their 2019 project Omale, which made our year-end list back in 2019. Combo released six singles in anticipation for their new record, each of which dazzled us over the course of last year. As the group has described, this latest album is about shedding their colonial skin, in a sense, calling back to their ancestors and roots while also drawing inspiration from young revolutionaries. This really seems to be a turning point for the group as they pretty much abandoned their old logo and art style in favor of a completely new aesthetic. If you've seen in the news at all, Colombia is currently experiencing one of the biggest people's uprisings in the country's history. This anger and energy bubbling under the surface is present in just about every track on Ire. The psych-style guitars play really well into this. The track Babalao starts with rolled, saturated guitars. Their tones kind of remind me of something Nick Hexum would be putting out with 311, and I mean that as a compliment, even though it sounds very backhanded. <laughs> I've never heard anybody really compliment 311 in a good way. As the song goes on, percussion gets added to the mix and the guitar pick up, plucking frantically. Carolina Oliveros' vocals here are energetic and fiery, like she's calling a huge crowd of people to action. The track just speeds faster and faster, like a train going off the rails. Oliveros yelping and screaming. To me, this is a clear representation of how revolutions are started, like a spark that ignites the fire. The opening Oya starts with sluggish keys that have huge thumping kicks on their shadow. A gentle guitar begins to slowly flow into the mix. Carolina's vocals ethereally echo on the top, creating this peaceful moment of transcendence before everything gets hectic on Babalao, which is an immediate total change. Heavy fuzzy bass fills out the background as this delayed high-pitched guitar surrounds you, giving you the psychedelic loss of surroundings. Carolina just wails over top before the track picks up more steam, becoming this manic head-spinning freight train that is so easy to get lost in and just bob your head to. The percussion becomes more gelatinous, completely oozing out of the psychedelic frame set in place, becoming more grounded, but also more frenzied and scary. Then the siren-like synth rises. Carolina's vocals take a completely out-of-body persona, finally crashing into a rush of cold synths that refresh everything to a neutral 
tone. The track Memoria weirdly reminds me of something Madlib would have had on his recent album Sound Ancestors. This funky bass blends perfectly with relaxed hi-hats and this grating scratching of a weirdo. Carolina's more reserved performance goes extremely well over this more relaxed instrumental, and the howling of the background vocals is the perfect addition to add some depth into the mix, making everything feel way larger and intense. Before the track goes off the rails with more dynamic percussion, low-pitched demon-like vocals in this intense ringing that comes from the combination of the guitar and keys. I praised Memoria quite a bit last year, and it's still my favorite track of the groups to date. The song is glazed with this thick, fuzzy quality that makes it sound like it's coming from an old radio. The first half is relaxed and laid back, with synths taking the lead here. Oliveros' vocals are booming and powerful, and take center stage not having to compete with any lead guitars. This kind of feels more hip-hop influenced than anything they've put out before. At the half, though, things took a weird turn. Oliveros fades into the background, revealing these drums and guitars, and also these scratchy, lowered vocals that Vincent mentioned. Prince of Queens, given a break from bass, just goes nuts on these high-pitched synths you can hear in the background. It's really a nice touch, because, like... You don't really have to pay attention to those, but also he's just going absolutely insane on this. It reminds me of the one point in The Doors Light My Fire where the guy on the synth is just going nuts. I also want to point out that everyone in the band except Oliveros, actually I really have no idea about her either, goes by these nicknames. It kind of reminds me of the Aquabats. It's really fun. Differencia has this Moog-like synth that creates this cloudy headspace before the blunt guitars and kicks take it to a more funky direction. As Carolina perfectly blends with the guitar on the hook, almost like the guitar is her backup vocalist, the two move in complete harmony before the swelling of the synths add this dreamlike weightlessness to the track that puts us right back at square one. I like how the tracks in Differencia and Oya expand more into this spacey territory for the band, driving more meaning to their tropical futurism, without feeling the need to keep upping this pace and keep rushing towards the finish line. Muhair Jaguar is this hyperactive manic rush to the finish line. Brightbait's accents the background as Carolina's welching vocals pierce the foreground. The guitars try to balance this chaotic mess, creating some sort of grounding point for the audience, until everything becomes this strange, messy sludge as this huge, fuzzy, distorted, square synth takes over. Everything sounds blurred and loses all definite shape. It's like when the bitrate of a video is low, so everything's pixelated and messy. The track doesn't really end, it just comes to a screeching halt. Like the track was so wild, the band ran out of any energy to continue. The final track, Toto Santos, revels in these synths, rising and falling like the tides. Oliveros displays one of her most emotional performances yet, and if I'm understanding this right, it's a time-oriented song about the past and the future, kind of tying up their entire album's message in a neat little bow. One of my favorite parts is how Oliveros kind of falls victim to the song, just losing a grip on tempo and rhythm as she sings so passionately, leaving the background vocals to pick up kind of her slack. The folk percussion adds a great amount of spice in there as well. At the end, she fades out into nothing, leaving only the synths and the ocean sounds, before returning to deliver one final spoken word message. I also want to briefly say that the group has released four video tie-ins for some tracks on the album, each one featuring Puerto Rican queer and trans people. They're all very cool and breathe new and unexpected life into the tracks they feature, so if you want the full ERA experience, definitely check those out. Overall, the biggest criticism I can give Ire is that it kind of flows awkwardly at times. It doesn't feel as seamless as Olame. That comes from the more spacey and reserved moments, which I enjoyed, 
but I feel like the layout could have been more tighter at times. Like the screeching halt of Muhair Jaguar goes into the hazy Toto Santos, and it feels like I'm listening to an album on shuffle rather than an intended contrast. There are moments when this contrast works, like the earlier mentioned transition from Oya to Babalao. This works better because you're preparing the audience for the transition rather than just throwing them into the abyss. While I feel like the album layout is kind of weird at times, nothing can take away from how Combo Chibita continues to push the envelope with their sound. So many moments take your breath away with the sheer amount of energy that bleeds through each track. Sometimes this thing is so hectic you lose yourself amidst the chaos, and other times you can find solace amidst the spacey, psychedelic, tropical futurism. If you're not into world music or music in another language, I still strongly recommend this album because the weight and scope this thing provides is unlike anything else. Ouch. Your old brood and the god Fahim. The wolf on Wall Street 2. The American Dream. In their first of what I assume will be numerous of their 2022 project, Underground Kings, Yorl Droog, and The God Fahim team up on a pretty short collab project. While Wolf on Wall Street 2 might not be the most expansive project either rapper has ever released, it ends up being a pretty densely packed display of New York rap, despite Fahim being from Atlanta. <laughs> Whether you're looking at Droog's Time Project, or his famous three-peat of 2019, or any of Fahim's discography, the American Dream reads like a victory lap. The Wolf on Wall Street 2, The American Dream, is definitely a victory lap, but the more important aspect is the lap part. This feels like a way for Fahim and Droog to keep fit lyrically with their flows. All these tracks feel relaxed as Droog and Fahim just keep pace with simple looping beasts, showcasing the bluntness that made them popular in the first place. Nothing is flashy, this thing doesn't have any hooks, and it's usually one verse followed by another and then the track ends, which on paper sounds overly simplistic, but for a 20 minute project, it feels like a brisk opulent run over super cheery soulful beats. This is my favorite collaboration project from these two artists because nothing feels forced. It's just a low stakes, effortless collaboration that showcases the natural chemistry between the two. It's not as important listen as Time or the 2019 trilogy, but the simplistic charm this project has makes it a worthy listen. Overall, the American Dream, like Vincent mentioned, features these light, airy beats that both rappers just glide over effortlessly. I really enjoy this style of instrumental, especially since neither Droog or Fahim are especially known for these kinds of beats in the past, and I think it directly contrasts the lyrics and overall style of the album and the album artwork. The opening track, Wall Street with Briefcase, which was uh, put out as a single, I think, last week, features both rappers rapping about their expensive lifestyles in the breeziest fashion. Each one has pretty funny lines as well. At one point, Fahim says, my team be united like the states, which sounds really weird, but it's also really funny. It's super, like, throwaway, but I just kept focusing in on it every time because I'm like, yeah, I guess the states are united. <laughs> Pretty deep cut reference. Yeah. <laughs> Lyrically, the album focuses on the virtue of hard work. Both Droog and Fahim have this air about them of working harder, not smarter. I'll say that again, harder, not smarter. <laughs> Constantly, they drop lines about the stock market, working all the time, and haters, most of the time running the risk of sounding like crypto bros. At the beginning of No Days Off, Droog says something along the lines of, you ever not want to go to work? Well, you just have to. <laughs> He also feels like he just got done with wisdom tooth surgery. <laughs> I have this feeling that we might see a Droog NFT sometime this year. 
I find these kinds of lyrics ironic sometimes, mostly because not every project both of these artists put out are created equal. For every Droog project that I praise, there's probably two more that year that I won't even talk about. Like, we talked about Time quite a bit last year, but he also put out, like, three other projects as well that we didn't even mention. I would find it even more ironic if Mock was on this project, since he clearly doesn't know anything about pricing his merch. <laughs> that is the American dream, pricing whatever you want for anything. Yeah. That's the free market for you. <laughs> Why do you think NFTs are so popular now? You could charge like forty million dollars for a photo of like a sack of potatoes, and it's like you get to see Mock's mouth <laughs> in an NFT. I honestly think that would be really funny. It would be funny. <laughs> Wall Street with briefcase is a breezy intro that reminds me of some of the collabs that popped up on the Avalanche's Wildflower. The juxtaposition between the reserved MCs and the super bright production. The God from Heem's opening verse showcases the loose he would present on the rest of this album. He usually sounds more forced, like he's desperately trying to spit out a verse. On this, it's complete second nature, and that's double for Droog on this track. I love the line, last week I finished three tapes, can you keep pace? Which is part hilarious punchline, part probable actual statement due to the amount of music Droog releases. I wouldn't be surprised if that was fact, actually. <laughs> just, just fact. <laughs> The track Chubby Pockets is produced by Conductor Williams, who we praised extensively last year for his work on Pray for Haiti, and unfortunately I think his beat on the American Dream is the weakest of the bunch. The sample is really warbly and distorted, but in the worst way. It's awkward and stumbling, leaving Droog and Fahim struggling to find stable ground. Honestly, it's grating on the ears, and both verses suffer because of it. I can hardly focus on what they're saying because of how awful the beat is. I will say I actually <laughs> kind of like this beat because it sounds like Conductor Williams just took off, uh, like he like grabbed a dollar store record, and it's like so warped, and it keeps on scratching back and forth and keeps on like looping, and he's just like, "That's the instrumental rap." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it, it really sounds like a leftover from the hip, like just bottom of the barrel stuff. <laughs> Warcry feels a lot different from the rest of the tracks on here. It's got this 2010s flute beat, and both rappers deliver these fiery verses, especially Fahim. It's good to hear them over some faster beats, especially since most of them on this project are kind of slow. It reminds me of Droog's flow on Dropout Boogie, his collab track with Doom from Time. On that track, he's alive, trading bars with one of the goats. I've always thought Droog kind of sells himself short sometimes with rapping over slower beats. He does great over them, don't get me wrong, but I also feel like he excels over quicker, more percussive beats, which can also be more exciting to listen to as well. Warcry, like Trevor mentioned, has this weird lo-fi flute, giving off city pop vibes, strangely enough. I like how the percussion is a bit gritty and dark, grounding a flute and matching the tone of Droog and Fahim, followed later with Corporate Ladder, which is the largest display of wealth across this entire project instrumentally. As Fahim and Droog float over the super brassy trumpet, that sounds so brash, could have been taken from either the score of a black sportation film or a 70s porno. I can't decide which one. The closer I won't stop is the epitome of this project as Fahim and Drew claim not to be able to stop, which is why this project exists in the first place. Their two's constant output is a reason why they're great. Even though that's a strange way of putting it, there's been missteps in both their discographies, but their constant dedication to their craft has allowed them both to find their dedicated niche in the underground, showcasing that putting in the work does pay off in the end. A nice simple sentiment to close out this bite-sized project on. Overall, I see this project as a whetstone. It's literally just here to showcase both rappers' abilities and keep their skills sharp. 
Both of these guys are pretty well known for their outputs, Fahim especially. Wolf on Wall Street 1 didn't really need a sequel per se, but this featureless, bright and breezy project showcases both rappers just kind of riding off the top of their heads. It's refreshing to see them not really taking this super seriously, and I can only assume they're just getting warmed up for whatever fire they'll put out as 2022 goes on. And with that, we close out today's episode of the Anthony and Todd Show. If you want to find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify by searching the Anthony and Todd Show in your favorite podcast browser. You can find us on YouTube.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd Show. You can follow me on Twitter at the Vincent Shore. You can find Trevor on Twitter at Alistair McCallis. I have an album out Layer Effects, Songs to Inspire Creativity, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Tidal right now. You can listen to that right now. Until next time, boyos, I've been Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see ya, boyos. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Goodbye.